Welcome back to another episode of the Spring Legion Podcast, brought to you right by Rolling Thunders, hand-tuned turkey calls, and light boots. The lightest 16-inch waterproof boot on the market today. This is Chase Ferry here, and I was just going to give you a quick rundown on today's episode. We had the privilege to sit down with Mr. Lake Pickle and Jordan Blissett with the Speak the Language Podcast, brought to you by OnX at Rick's in Startville for a live podcast, and got to really hang out and enjoy everybody that came out and and get to talk turkeys for an hour or so and um all that stuff we also got to hear from our good buddy pete with tft he ran through a few projects that they have currently in the works and um a few things like that and then we just got to hanging out and telling turkey stories and you know things of that nature so without further ado let's get to the live podcast All right, so here's how we're going to kind of kick this off because this is the second year in a row we've been able to do this in this same location, and I still think it's incredibly cool that we can get this many people in a room for the sole reason that we all love and appreciate the wild turkey and the spring woods and everything that that means to us. And so we're going to kick this entire thing off showing some appreciation to a couple things. And... I guess kind of getting ready for this event, all of us guys up here, if I was, I was thinking about some people that made it to this earth before we did and kind of laid some groundwork down so that we can enjoy the things that we enjoy during the spring that led to all of us being here in this room. If I say a name like Fox Hayes, Toxie Hayes, Will Primos, Bob Dixon, if I say a brand name like Mossy Oak, who some of which folks work there standing right over there, I appreciate y'all being here. Um, think about like the work that's been done to, to put the wild turkey in a place that it's in now that we can enjoy hunting them every spring. And think about those individuals that I named, and there's a lot more that on a granular level taught us how to hunt and taught us have the, how to have the attitude that we have towards this bird and towards the habitat. Think about Mossy Oak. Name a try this name a singular brand not just a camo brand name a singular brand that's done more for the wild turkey than mossy oak has think about organizations like the national wild turkey federation and turkeys for tomorrow that are on the ground doing work today to make sure we have turkeys to hunt in the future so they say it's impossible to get a room full of people to agree on one thing i think i can get all of us to agree on a couple things and so i think we need to give a round of applause to folks like Fox Hayes and Toxie and Will Primos and Bob Dixon. I think we need to give a round of applause to brands like Mossy Oak and organizations like Turkeys for Tomorrow. So let's kick this off that way. So on a, uh, another level, it's super cool to be here tonight. Um, so I guess some introductions are in order. Uh, this is Jordan Blissett. Uh, Jordan has been you worked with Mossy Oak for how long? Uh, three, three and a half something years, and then moved from there to Primos. So yeah, almost ten years of my life. Yeah, uh, um, doing this stuff. Yeah, and then uh, Spring Legion over here, Austin Seals. How long have y'all had Spring Legion now? 2019 was the first year, February of 19. So 
four years. Mm -hmm. And then on the far right, it's not Hunter Farrier's twin brother. That's his brother Chase. And then I'm, Hunter was. If you if you notice, there's a there's a space here that that should be filled. There's supposed to be a fifth person here, and he's not. I'm gonna let y'all handle why Hunter's not here tonight. Y'all take that away. Yeah, we uh we got a phone call I guess yesterday evening, and they mm -hmm. Hunter's expecting a baby, and they put his wife in the hospital yesterday, and they're getting ready to have a baby. So yep. it'll be sometime in the next few days he'll have a new baby running around. Yep, by Thursday. She's going to be running. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. running. Yeah. So you'll have two of them then mm -hmm. <laughs> running yep. around. Yep, yep. Yeah, but it's it's incredibly cool to, to watch because, you know, Jordan and I, we grew up and, well, I grew up. Jordan lived a little bit further out, but we, we got buddies with these guys right when they were getting Spring Legion going. And to see what they've been able to do with that brand and how popular it's become has been so cool. Um, but yeah, we're gonna have a good time tonight. We're gonna talk about turkeys. We're gonna talk kind of about where turkeys are at today, so, so to speak. Um, turkeys for Tomorrow is here, if y'all haven't realized that already. Um, super thankful for those guys. They're, they're um, responsible for some of the things that we're gonna be raffling off. Uh, also, obviously, huge thanks to Rick's Cafe, Primo's Hunting, Onyx Hunt, uh, Spring Legion, all that good stuff. Um, to kind of get straight into the the meat of the conversation if y'all were was anybody raise your hand if anyone was here last year when we did this anybody that's pretty cool um well yeah <laughs> y'all came back look at that uh so last year when we got started i got up here and ran my mouth on basically not like a super in-depth level but a slightly detailed overview of the wild turkey just in the state of mississippi and how I thought it was super cool that we at one time had a whole lot of turkeys, so much in fact that guys like Aldo Leupold notated it specifically, and then we almost ran turkeys into extinction because we didn't know what we were doing, and then thank the good Lord we had people that took notice of that and took initiative and started putting forth efforts to bring them back, and now we have turkeys to hunt, but it, we're not in the, not nearly as an extreme of a sense, but in some way, we're in a somewhat similar situation because when you hear, I mean, y'all know when you hear folks talk about the glory days of turkey hunting, what time are they talking about? Like what, what years? The 80s and 90s. 80s. Right. Yeah. yeah. And now everybody in here has heard the word decline attached to turkey populations in the past few years. Would I, would I be correct in assuming that? Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation we're in because we're not in a spot where obviously we can, we're not in those glory days anymore. There's a noticeable decline. I don't think anyone denies that anymore. But it's we're we're not like in a sky is falling situation by any stretch. Obviously, because we still have you know state regulated hunt seasons and all that. But uh, it's cool because again we have um, organizations like Turkeys for Tomorrow popping up. Which Pete is sitting. Pete, as soon as you can get away, uh, we're going to have Pete from Turkeys for Tomorrow come up here and go through some of the research projects that they have going on and some of the work that they're doing um, on the ground. Uh, if y'all haven't noticed it, if y'all on y'all's table, y'all should have one of these on your table um, that's kind of outlining what Turkeys for Tomorrow has going on right now. Is anyone in here not familiar with Turkeys for Tomorrow? No? That's a good thing. It is mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So Pete, you want to come up? Yeah. Pete's been doing the Lord's work, handing out all these raffle tickets and doing everything. Yeah. 
first off, let me tell y'all, that was a 2000 ticket roll when we started, and I cannot thank y'all enough for y'all purchasing it. So someone tonight's going a Benelli Super Black Eagle 3, black 26 inch barrel, your choice of 12 or 20 left or right handed, whoever wins it, we're gonna ship it to you. So thank y'all, I can't tell y'all enough how much that means. So yeah, Pete, um, so turkeys for tomorrow, y'all have not been around a super long time. Last week was our two year anniversary. And that's crazy. It's crazy because it yeah. seems like y'all been around longer than that. It does, but, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, you were kind of going over with me some of the things that you're doing. I mean, obviously you hear, like I hear turkeys for tomorrow all, all over the place, especially this time of year. I'm sure these guys have heard it, heard it but yeah, kind of go through some of the stuff that y'all are doing so we can learn about the actual work that y'all are putting in. So this year, one of the biggest things we're doing is we're starting chapters. Uh, we've got seven different states. We've got some chapters that we're starting up, fundraising events, banquets, uh, membership drives. I actually talked to a guy today in Jackson, Mississippi that reached out about getting one started here. So that's our first one in Mississippi. So our goal is those chapters, we're gonna try and raise a quarter million dollars to go toward turkey research. And the way we are looking at these chapters is if your chapter raises money in your region, that money's staying in your region. Like if you have a chapter here in Mississippi and say here in Starkville, we're not taking Starkville's money and sending it to Montana or New York. We're gonna do whatever turkey research here needs to be done, whatever habitat improvement, uh, habitat management days, people like Adam Butler and Dr. Dana Moran here in the state, if they need funding, it's going back to Mississippi turkeys. So that's one of the things that we're proud of that we can say is where we raise the money, that's where it goes back. It doesn't go to, to anywhere else. Mm -hmm. um, we've got some trapping initiatives that are going. That was a big thing from a survey we did last year. We uh, partnered with No BS Traps out of Iowa. We've sold and put 4,000 dog-proof coon traps back out in hunters' hands since September. So this time of year, that's that's crucial. Y'all all know nest predators, raccoons, possums, how big, big that is on turkey nests this time of year. Uh, so that's, that's two big things we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then we've got, uh, like I said, the habitat days. We had one in Alabama recently. We've got Dr. Will Goolsby came out. <clears throat> it was free to the public to attend. Turkeys for Tomorrow paid for the meal. Uh, Dr. Goolsby answered questions, provided some knowledge and some insight on what to do on your property. Uh, we're having one in April. I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody knows who Dr. Grant Woods is, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't, then, I mean, you, you're probably hiding under a rock <laughs> somewhere, but we're doing one with Dr. Woods. Uh, Turkeys for Tomorrow is helping put that on. Just uh, uh, giving people the opportunity to get that knowledge to take it back to their place or share it with their buddies or, or family or whoever to make their, their property better for turkeys. Yeah, and y'all interject whenever you want. I, it, I think I, Chase Grubbs was telling me about that, the Habitat days and, and yeah. all that earlier. I thought that was extremely cool because, uh, Austin, I'm sure y'all get the same thing with y'all's yeah. podcast, but like people ask Jordan and I all the time, and we're not biologists, you know, though I've seen. Yeah, yeah, we're not biologists. No, either, not no one so. up here is a biologist. I don't want to paint that picture for anybody. But we'll get questions sent into the Primos page or the podcast or, or whatever, and they're like, "What can I do for my habitat? What can I do about this?" And we're like, "Look, we can speculate, or we can kind of tell you some things that have, that you know have worked for us, or so on and so forth." But allowing that, guys like you know Dr. Goolsby or Grant Woods for folks to come out there and like look and and get their hands on stuff and actually see that's incredible yeah you get around those guys and uh talking about like what brood habitat looks like and all these certain little features that benefit a turkey that 
they may not use all year, but make a crucial role in their lifespan as a pole. For that short period of time. That's a lot of things people don't know what to look for, what they're even doing when it comes to improving it. And it's so cool because, I mean, obviously the reason that the turkey hunting community seems to have rallied is because of this apparent decline, which obviously that's not good, but finding the silver linings involved in there is there's so many people that you wouldn't think would be interested in that level of science or habitat work but they are man and there's it's 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 a lot there's so many people that you see which kudos to y'all for for sending out all those traps but there's people trapping there's people burning there's people actually like interested in making their habitat better for a turkey and and it gives us hope for you know folks that do want this for the future folks like everyone in this room obviously and that's like one of the things i keep telling people at these chapter events and these fundraisings events I can sell a million tickets and I can give away a hundred guns, but if I arm you with the knowledge of how to make your property better, and then you arm someone here, that knowledge is just passed on generation to generation, and it just makes more turkeys if you do it right. Kind of like the old analogy, you give a man, man a fish, fish. Yep. yeah. And, but exactly. if you teach him how to fish, he can feed himself. Well, and it's like we did that survey last year, that post-turkey season survey with hunters, and it was 85% of them said they saw a decline in their area of, of less turkeys, which... I mean, that's a pretty alarming number when you start looking at, at 85%. Mm-hmm. So, It all seems, you know, it, it, like I said, it, it, it seems anecdotal until you get everyone in the same room and everyone has the same story, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. We what's, might that, actually, yeah. what's that big word, man? Anecdotal? Yeah. I he learned he it wrote in. that down earlier, Jordan. <laughs> I saw him on a piece of paper. So, yeah, one of the coolest projects that we're helping fund here is, is in Mississippi, and Adam Butler has just been instrumental yeah. in helping TFT and – He's got this title in, here in Mississippi. It's like Department of Mississippi Wild Turkey Guy or something. I don't know. It's like a new letter every time we talk to him. But he's working with uh, Dr. Dana Mora, and they're doing a uh, project where they are actually taking uh, molted feathers and turkey droppings, and they're using DNA testing to tell you which turkey is which. And it's going to show people how these turkeys are traveling. It's going to show them you know, how many turkeys you've got on your property. It's, it's some really cool stuff that they've got going on here in Mississippi. And yeah. I'm hoping it you know that bleeds over into other states and, and we can fund some other states we're we're in five six seven states now we're working with uh kansas and iowa to work on some future projects so mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of research going on and not just the research but implementing the change after the research is concluded not just continuing to do research because it's useless if you don't start implementing the change that you right. need yeah that's what uh i heard ron quest say that who works yeah. there always like we're working on we're, we're g- gaining ground on finding the why but now we got to find the how like yeah. how do we how do we revert it how do we fix the problem that's right because that's one of the questions is you know folks will get borderline aggravated with us sometimes like will you just answer why they're declining i was like well we don't exactly know 100 percent why if we knew why all this research wouldn't yeah, be going on we wouldn't be spending <laughs> the money on research yeah so. we'd be like oh we'll just fix it you know but that's super cool, man. It's pretty incredible what y'all have done. And, and again, super thankful for y'all being here and, and everything that y'all have, y'all have donated. Yeah, and we brought some swag to give away, a little bit of merch. And if, if y'all want to join the, the card on the table there, you can take your QR code, scan it. It'll take you straight to our membership page. It'll give you all the information about research we've been doing. Uh, anything that you really want to know about TFT, it, it's there. And, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming out here in the next probably three to six months that – really gonna get some more eyes on this and and help educate that's our biggest thing is education we just don't want to do the research we want to educate people on things too and awareness Mm -hmm. so one of the coolest things y'all have going on right now you know this is a live podcast so to speak but 
Um, if you're interested in podcasts, that Wild Turkey oh, Science yeah, that's, podcast that's, that y'all have. That's huge. Dr. Goolsby and Dr. Lashley, those two, I mean, in the, I believe, and I may, I may say it wrong in Dr. Goolsby, and then they may kill me, but I think it was the other science category or new science. Mm-hmm. They were way up there, like top five on downloads when it came out. And that's all podcasts. Right. And that's some very interesting stuff if you don't have, if you haven't listened to it, if you get a chance. and. Yeah. It's, it's purely science. There's no opinion. It's yeah. all what they have gathered from data, and they don't hold back. So it's some of that hurtful truth that you hear on yep. a few of those things. <laughs> but sometimes education hurts. But That's right. Really, That's right. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Hurts your feelings anyway. Yeah. yeah. Makes you think a little bit. Think about things you don't want to, but it makes you think. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate y'all having us out. And, you know, we we worked with y'all with Onyx. Y'all been right For on sure. board with us from the get-go. And Spring Legion's been a big advocate and, mm-hmm. and promoted us. And you know it, it just takes it takes all of us really and i mean that's that's a huge for y'all to to be on board with us we appreciate it it's we're, a, all, yeah. we're all on the same team that's right, that's right. we for are sure. we are yeah thank you pete oh yeah and we'll, thank you for someone's going to be telling you thank you a lot when you when you yeah when we give that, draw that ticket for that gun. and if y'all got any questions just feel free to come up to me and ask i i mean i'd be happy to talk to y'all about anything involved with tft and just turkey hunting in general yeah so, so yeah we're gonna obviously we're going to run our mouths for a little bit while longer but after we get through you know doing all that we're going to open the floor up for questions if y'all have any and if you like pete's going to go back down there but if you have a question for pete or something involving tft i'm for sure you won't have any problem coming back up here and speaking in the we we asked pete to come up here because originally like imagine jordan myself and austin like looking over these research projects that tft was doing and we were going to try to explain them we were like you know we'd better just get somebody from turkeys for tomorrow to explain it otherwise we would get it probably backwards yeah that's okay <laughs> y'all mississippi boys that's all right us alabama boys don't have that problem i went to public school man i did too so. <laughs> yeah but no we we appreciate it um just getting back let's get getting back to the the other form of conversation and kind of going keeping along this theme with uh you ready for chase yeah yeah okay. chase chase you're back in tag tag, tag team um getting back on this we'll kind of keep this same theme of, of conservation because i may be I, I may be the only one feeling this way but like going into this spring turkey season it's like the perspective is a little bit different because like i said it's it's like You've been hearing the word decline float around for several years, but it's we've reached a point now where you don't really hear anybody denying it anymore. Um, and it made me think even harder about, again, the guys that came before us, the, the Will Primos of the world. And it, it makes me think, I, I was preparing for this event, I was watching some videos on those guys and, and reading quotes of theirs, and, and just one super common sentiment that I found, I was, I was watching a, a video of Will's and they were interviewing him, and at the time, it's been longer than that now, but at the time, he was on his 30th consecutive spring turkey season. And they asked him, they were like, are you as passionate about it now as you were when you first started? And his answer was, it's probably not verbatim because I can't remember it that well, but his answer was pretty much, I appreciate the wild turkey more now and the way that they make a living and where they decide to live more than I ever have. And that was pretty much common among everyone that I admired and looked up to. They had this common theme of, you know, I loved it then, but now that I've done it X amount of years, five years, 10 years, 15 years, I appreciate it more now than I ever have. I look at it differently. And so, Jordan, you've been turkey on how it's long? About seven. I was just thinking about that when you were talking and telling that story. This will be my 17th season, I think, to be able to, mm-hmm. since I started turkey hunting. And 
I'm right in that same category. I think I appreciate it more and I'm more passionate about it every year that happens. And I guess it's just that labor of love that goes into it. You grow fonder and fonder of it every single year and appreciate it in different ways, too. Uh, now that I've got a little girl, she's been turned four, and I'm starting to think about her starting to go hunting in a couple of years, and my whole mindset starting to change. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about, like, i got to start figuring out some places I can take her and don't wear out, and all this different stuff's changing as I, I guess, mature. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to take that even another direction. So I was talking to we all we all are buddies with Logan Cook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan, I was talking to Logan on the phone last week, uh, and we were talking about he was all excited because he was about to do another burn on his place, and he said he said, "Man, I don't think I can do a burn out here without Jordan showing up." Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and did you have any care in the world or any concept in the world about doing a prescribed burn to benefit turkeys when you first started doing it? Uh, no, I didn't know anything about that because I didn't grow up in turkey hunting culture. I knew they burned woods and turkeys were there, but I didn't know where <laughs> it all tied into each other. And uh, But, yeah, every time I text Logan every weekend, like, hey, you burning today? Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, Spring Legion crew, which yep. it, Chase, Austin, whoever, like, that's the, that's where I kind of want to go. It's like when you – from the time you started turkey hunting well, – Chase, we'll go with you first. All right. From the, how how old were you when you started turkey hunting? Seven. I'm 27 now. So 20, it's my 20th year. You've been, so you've been turkey hunting longer than Jordan. Yeah. He's got you beat. I didn't start till I was 15. So, that's fine. How has your perspective changed na- then to now, and why? All right. Well, first off, I was seven. So, yeah. So, so a I lot. You know, a lot. Yeah. But, like, probably, um, probably about 17, 18 is when I really started kind of realizing I wanted to be more involved and whatnot mm-hmm. than just turkey hunting because i thought everybody did that you know growing up so um probably yeah 10th 11th grades when i really got into the whole other side of things and started paying attention to more than just waking up you know march 15th and it's turkey season we're going turkey hunting right um and really over the last when i was about 20 is when i really started like kind of paying attention to the whole you know decline issue and stuff like that and right. that's kind of i guess when it started for me and I, I actually went a season without killing a turkey um when i was 21 and that's when i really was like all right we really got to focus in on some more management tactics and things like that and so you, you had actual concern you're like you i had noticed concern. something was going yeah up. i was going and not not hearing near about the birds that mm-hmm. i was hearing you know five years before that and stuff like that so you know, when I when I went full a full season without a even shot opportunity, I was like, all right, yeah, it's it's definitely time to really get, especially honed in on our, you know, places we could hunt at the time and stuff like that, and um, started you know trapping, started we can't burn the place, still have one of the places now, and right. we still can't burn it, but you know, I can go in there and knock some briars down with a yeah. machete in some certain areas mm-hmm. and things like that, and I'm no genius when it comes to it, but I try right well and it's interesting you say that too because again there's a lot of people out there that are trying to do any kind of habitat Mm -hmm. work they can right now yeah and there's a lot of folks are in a situation like you that they you know they're like hey i know this control burning stuff is awesome but that's not that's not available to me because it's a lease or 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 Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. um so that it's a cool point you're still trying to find ways to improve it somehow right right and the trapping i mean 
you know, some people say it, it helps a ton. Some people say it's, you know, kind of one of the more right. medium can't situations. Hurt. It definitely can't hurt. And and since, let's see, we ain't had a turkey on that place in three or four years probably. Mm-hmm. And last year we had enough on it that we were we felt confident we could we could take two off of it. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we had more turkeys last year than, than ever, and we probably started trapping on it four years ago. Yeah. So within three years of – that was last season. So three years of trapping, pretty hardcore. Um and that's just that's just coons and, and possums. Um, that's not including you know coyotes and bobcats. So, yeah. Which that's something else we gotta get to working on. Sure. But I've I've taken a few out during deer season and stuff like that. <laughs> as much as I, many as I see, I'll run a deer hunt real quick for a coyote or bobcat. The opportunistic yeah. route. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Austin, I'm gonna piggyback off of kind of what Jordan said about having a having a kid going. Because um, your casing is he's, he's just four. turned four. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I started, I started hunting with my dad. I can't, I don't even remember an age, but like I can remember seven when I killed my first one that I, you know, started paying attention. So that was twenty three years of hunting. And uh, like this year, and I know we've talked a lot, sent pictures back and forth of casing deer hunting. He's getting, the, he's getting the itch. He's loving it. Um, taking his BB gun with us, and that kind of opens you up a whole another perspective that, you know, yeah, I enjoy hunting, but. It's also my job, our job as hunters, to do our part to preserve that for when he gets mm-hmm. old enough. He can enjoy it, and it's not – you're not out – I guess – I don't know if it's the right wording, but you're out of turkeys to where he can't enjoy it the right. same way we did kind of deal. When was the first time – like in in for you specifically, what made you notice that there was a decline in turkeys was it did you hear it from somebody was it from first person experience what what no, uh, mine was more so hearing it we hunted uh in new hebron and we we hunted paper company land so they kept it pretty thin it cleared out and and they would actually do um some prescribed burns themselves so um on the lease land so we really didn't have to do a bunch but i, I kind of like jordan i didn't really put it together till my later years that um where you see a burn spot there's turkeys you just know that's where i'm going to hunt mm-hmm. and then you know 15 16 years old i kind of put it together like every time i go to the burn spots it's way better than they just, just happen to be yeah, there so mm-hmm. yeah. kind of put it together but just we never we had a we had a small decline where we would i think um i was probably 17 or 18 i had i had a year like chase did man i didn't kill a single turkey and there was no problem in the years prior but it was we were we were in a deer camp so it had to it had to do with some habitat management it also had to do with the amount of people getting in there, mm-hmm. killing the um, more birds than it has in the past, not you know that kind of thing. So my, my rule on, kind of my personal rule on turkeys, how many I'm going to kill is I take a place and I run a camera during deer season. Just kind of take an inventory. Yeah, kind of take an inventory, and I take that total number of, of gobblers that I think I have, and I divide that by two, and that's what you're going to get for your spring flock roughly. Mm-hmm. And then I divide that number by two, and that's what I try to take off of that place. So when you when you go from having you know for the first fifteen years I hunted it was me and my granddad and two uncles. Mm-hmm. So when you that deer camp grows and grows and you have ten people hunting that number changes mm-hmm. just because the more people killing. So right. Yeah. That's kind of when I noticed the the numbers we were taking needed to change. Was making an impact, right. a negative a big, impact yeah, a big on impact. it. Yeah. So I want to roll that into Jordan. I want to ask you the same question. Like when was the first person first time for you specifically that you were like okay there actually is some sort of a problem here as far as turkey numbers mm, i mostly just heard it hearsay mm-hmm. and then like when we started traveling 
I really didn't notice it that much where I hunted at Mississippi because there's never been an abundance of turkeys there. Right. Like, there's never been yeah. this, like, everywhere by any means. But when we started traveling, um, I started hearing other people talking about it. Well, you should have been here five years ago. You should have been here two years ago. And after kind of hearing what they were talking about and then experiencing it on some places we've hunted, year after year you kind of start seeing not a huge drastic number increase but there's a few less this year a few less next year um and that's where I, my perspective has came from and also the knowledge we've gained from talking like dr chamberlain and actually knowing the data on certain areas that they are focusing in on actually tracking turkeys and mm. numbers and they're actually seeing a decline on those areas i mean when you put data with it it's facts yeah. you know so that's that's kind of my experience with it which places i hunt mississippi too i mean obviously there's not like it was when i was a kid but there's a lot of different variables that go behind that so mm. uh, that's how kind of my story right i tell you what what kind of was a head scratcher for me or kind of a blew my mind i guess you could say is i if you remember you and i so if y'all y'all probably heard this name before a um, guy named adam butler Adam is a super nice guy. Um, he, he is the turkey program coordinator for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. Um, and I've gotten to know Adam fairly well over the past couple of years. And uh, Adam, we did a t an episode with him in 2019 titled, Where Are the Turkeys? And that was in 2019 was the first time that me and Jordan were like, okay, there's something to this whole decline thing in 2019. Um, Fast forward to just last week. That was a season I couldn't hardly kill turkey. Yeah, that's a story all its own. Uh, there weren't any around, Jordan. There was none to kill. That's, that's my excuse. <laughs> uh, last week, uh, OnX does these master classes, webinars, whatever you want to call them. And last week, we did a State of the Wild Turkey address with Michael Chamberlain, Dr. Chamberlain. And... Uh, Dr. Chamberlain said in that master class that he had been voicing his concern about turkey populations as early as 2012. Mm. 2012. Like, I, 10 years. 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Over 10 years ago. 11 years. And, uh, and, it's like, it, and it was like, I don't know if it, we, we didn't get the chance because we were more focused on what was going on right now and you know what kind of work and research projects is going on right now. But it was like, you're telling me that, that he has been saying this for over 10 years and he's just now um and it was kind of he was coming at it with a tone of relief because here's the encouraging part because i don't want to come across during this thing as doom and gloom by any by any uh stretch of the imagination dr chamberlain said that he knows right now of no of more turkey research going on than he has known about in the past 30 years um but just to know that that's been happening for that long and it took all of us this long to notice it it's like man i don't i don't know if we should have been more vigilant or or what but it, it's pretty wild to think about in that respect what about you what's your story man i mean it had to have been during that 2019 season because that's that's how i was kind of going with that because mm -hmm. that we reached we'd never talked to adam before right. and we had ne and we were like we should do this podcast episode and call it where are the turkeys because that's kind of a cool name and so on um but it was a it was a combination of kind of what you talked about we had traveled to so many different places and heard so many people with the same story of there's just not as many birds here as there used to be and there you, you hear that enough times and you start you know 
just noticing things from your own home where things I mean things weren't aren't weren't bad but they definitely something was missing it wasn't something wasn't quite as good as it used to be uh, and it made me just kind of you know kind of raise an eyebrow enough to ask a question yeah I remember how that whole thing came up or like let's get somebody that actually knows what they're talking about to tell us if this is a real concern or not mm-hmm. and that's how it all came about yeah so we some one thing that jordan and i have figured out through much trial and much error i'm sure y'all y'all can relate when we first started doing this podcast we thought the best idea was for me and jordan to just get on there and talk about whatever the subject was and that rarely went well because half the time Jordan and I don't know what we're talking about, oh, especially yeah. if we're talking about like science and biology and turkey population. Like last I, week, I have no business talking about stuff I can't spell the word. Well, <laughs> there we go. Same yeah. here. Yeah. Same Been here. There. Can oh, you? Yeah. Really, yeah. So like last week, not to open up a whole can of worms. Last week we put out an episode with. Dr. Will Goolsby and Dr. Marcus Lashley of the Wild Turkey Science Podcast, and they were talking about the implications of baiting, supplemental baiting, with corn on wild turkeys. Can you imagine how poorly that could have gone if you and I had just gotten up there and given our opinions about it, having no clue what we were talking about? I would have no, no <laughs> education back in it. But uh, that was really eye-opening, too, with a lot yeah. of things I had never even considered thinking about repercussions of what we're doing. Sure. Um, I'm going to kick it away from turkey science and decline for a little bit. Breathe a sigh of relief, Austin. One thing tied to, like, where your, I guess, relationship with turkey hunting has taken you and how it has changed, part of that, I heavily believe, just comes from the memories you gain from it, from just actually going turkey hunting. Oh, yeah. And so I've seen between you, Chase, and Hunter – I've seen y'all post a picture. I don't know how many of them, but y'all, I know y'all killed a turkey here in Mississippi, the three of y'all together, and it was one that y'all had hunted for a while. Yeah, well, all, we, we all, all, hunted. all hunted it. And yeah, it, um, tell me a turkey story, Austin. All right, I'll tell it to you. He came down, um, I, know, I know, and Hunter, I think he got down at like midnight that night before. Mm-hmm. And uh, Let me pause you for a second. So the first time Jordan and I ever hunted with Hunter Ferrier, this great astound turkey author. He shows up late. Yeah, like the most, like Hunter can write the most articulate paragraph about what turkey hunting means to him. And I'm like, man, this dude loves it. The first time we ever turkey hunt with him, we've been listening to the turkey gobble for like 10 minutes and we're holding back from making a move on him again. And then here comes Hunter stumbling through the woods, fumbling through his turkey vest, trying to find his mask. And we're like, all right. So, yeah, let, yeah, do that for 20, 20, 20 seasons with him. I mean, how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that, it don't change. That morning, we chased that turkey to that. And it was, a, I'd say it's the same turkey. He's in the same spot every time. You just couldn't get to him. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. We split up that morning and hunted till noon. Never got anything done. So <clears throat> I made some power moves that morning. Yes, I made, you did. I looked up and you were doing some kind of crawling tactic that I've never seen before. But anyway, we uh, that morning Hunter got there at like midnight. We I, I finally rounded him up and got him down there. And Chase met us down there. And we we hunted that turkey and he gobbled the same spot that he did the same morning we were there. When when were y'all there? The year before. The year before. Yeah, it was prior, the year before y'all killed him. Yeah, but it was, yeah. it was that turkey in the same spot. And I, me and Hunter looked at each other like, let's just see if we can hear something else. The last day, it was his only hunt in Mississippi mm-hmm. last year. So we were going to try to get another one, eased away from that one, 
went to one ended up being across the road so we we dropped back down on that one and you know the uh mount everest that you have to go up i do well for mississippi yeah, yeah. it's a mount everest so we went we went straight up that hill got on him and it sounded like he was making almost a half moon so we we st- we trailed him was what we did trailed the turkey yeah Okay. It's the only way you could do it. We couldn't get around in front <laughs> no, of him. Were y'all like seeing his tracks and following him? No, we were, like, trailing, nice we were trailing the well, He we went that way. What we thought was the but sound. I'm, get, I'm getting to it. Yeah. We thought we were trailing him. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Come to find out, after we killed the turkey, the way those bottoms run, it was the way he was turning. It was slinging yeah, he's sounds been standing on different one ways. Can you picture Austin going up to a track? Because <laughs> well, that way. when we killed him, we were literally in a bowl. And that's what he was doing. He was he was strutting around that bowl, and when he would gobble one way or another, it was going up whichever yeah. bottom, and it was throwing us. Oh, he was just echoing around. Right. And he, there was one time he gobbled. It was probably an hour and a half before we killed him, and he gobbled on his own, and all three of us pointed in a different direction. Totally. <laughs> and and we I looked, mean, we, we, we were going to die on that hill, too, because oh, yeah. we, we all knew that it was he's that different way. direction. Yeah. So anyway, we, we made our way down in which, that Which bowl. way did y'all finally decide he gobbled from? The way I see it. No. You was right. Yeah, I was one hurting first. I've been yeah. hearing him for 10 right. minutes while and they were working a different And turkey. who, because I haven't, from the three of y'all's posts, I've yet to figure this out. Who killed the turkey? Hunter, Hunter killed the turkey. Hunter killed the turkey. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. So anyway, we, we figured out what where he, an area where he was at. We just dropped down in a creek, mm-hmm. like a creek, a, a creek ditch, whatever you want to call it. And we walked up, and he gobbled. And I promise you, he was 30 yards. Not we far. We thought, yeah. Yeah. So we got me and Hunter. All we did was ease down, probably twenty yards from Chase, and just poke over yeah, the we're, ditch. We're in a creek, bot like in the rocks of a creek. Yeah. At this point, we had to slip across a big bottom between mm-hmm. two ridges, and then we had to cut across a big opening. Amongst Hunter having an allergy attack, that sure was did. the worst one. Was I've he seen. like sneezing or sneezing oh, anything you could imagine was happening? Couldn't uh, call. Happening. Couldn't call. Yeah. Anytime he'd open his mouth, he'd cough. So that was we the. We killed him with the wing bone, and that was the only call we could all, like, use at the time because it was the only one that any of our allergies would allow us to. It was like bad. we couldn't keep a mouth call in. in. Like, it was just, I don't know what but what bush we kicked up. It sounded like I dipped my mouth call in baby powder yeah. and put it in my mouth. My it mouth sounds like that dry. normally anyways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was different about <laughs> it that. Was even, it was even worse. <laughs> but, no, we, we did that. Me and Hunter crawled up, I guess, on the side of an oak tree, and one of us got on each side. And the the turkey actually came back in front of me, and I we, I couldn't get a shot, and it looked it just was strutting back and forth. And I never saw it. Walked walked in front of Hunter, and he killed it. And it was when we got to looking at the turkey, we figured out I guess kind of figured out why he never left that general area. He had a right above his spur. It was almost like his leg was broken. Huh. And was, so you think he couldn't walk very well? Well, like he, he couldn't cover uh, a lot I know, of ground. I know he couldn't, couldn't walk fight. very well. Uh, and he, yeah, and I don't think he could defend himself but he it was not broken but it was broken it had a big old knot you could mm-hmm. tell where it was yeah. growing back together and it was yeah. a little bit shorter than the other one huh so that's that's kind of my opinion on why he never left that why little he bowl just kind of hung out because yeah, he could see i mean where it was a big open hardwood bottom he could see for a long ways mm-hmm. he could he was down there out of the wind felt was, safe yeah felt safe mm-hmm. but bad thing was or go ahead. Ahead. bad thing was they where the, where we were set up it was a bend in the creek and i was lower i couldn't see them and I keep hearing the drumming coming from behind me to the right where we just came from. Right. And I'm sitting here trying to let him know, like, hey, turn around. He, he's about to come off his finger ridge because it's bouncing off that finger ridge. Mm-hmm. 
and like, no, the whole time him. they're watching him at 30 yards and you think he's bad and i'm sitting here and i, I realized my gun was directly under my my thighs yeah like because I, I was on the edge of that creek i was trying not to let it fall into the creek Oof. and i just put my leg over it yeah. you know just to hold it there and i'm like this is about to get western real quick and neither one of them are going to see any of this happen <laughs> you know <laughs> and then about that time hunter shoots Kaboom, him yeah no, that just where'd that'll, y'all see him at? You that'll know? show you how tricky it was, because like he said, he thought it, I could hear him saying he's behind us. I'm like, no, I'm yeah. looking at him in yeah. front of us, and that I mean, I was looking at him; he was behind me. They were telling time. me they were looking at him. I just couldn't hear them. Mm-hmm. They were facing away from me. Right. So right. right. They put you in the ditch. I just stay there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't put me there. They just yeah. left me there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're right. So right. Uh, here's what we're gonna do. That is a great story. Uh, we're gonna tell one more turkey story. And then we're going to kick it over to questions and answers, if or answers if we have any, and questions if y'all have any. But there was one story that we that I wasn't originally planning on telling here at all, um, because if I like, if there is a method used in turkey hunting today that gets more negative press or more hate around it, it's fanning the turkey. Am I right? Like that's the what gets the most hate, and this the story that gets told: a turkey does not, a tur- no turkey gets shot, but uh, no, I don't even know turkeys in the county. No, th- there's like there's a story that involved mine and Jordan's first introductions to even learning what fanning was, and I I guarantee you, even if you hate fanning, you'll get a kick out of this story. I'm, they haven't even heard it yet. Yeah, I don't no, know. No, it's it's interesting. So we go, we're filming a primo show, and we're trying some new places this year. It was like, what, 16 or 17? It was spring of 17, I think. Somewhere in there. 17 or 18, maybe. Uh, so we're like, let's go to Kentucky. We hear all these stories about Kentucky. It's supposed to be good. Turkey's gobbling over every ridge top. So we get online. We found this outfitter through just like random search, yeah. right? Like, Had no clue, no references. Just, we just went. FYI vet these guys because some of them mm. yeah. uh, but anyway we show up at this place and they're guided hunts and that sometimes could be a great thing sometimes it can be disastrous and uh the way we've always done it you know we're a guest for these people try not to be like the boss hog just kind of go with the flow of the way they want to do things and you were hunting yeah so or, Tell so your rendition of this. There was a, we'll, we'll refrain from saying names because he seemed to be a nice guy. Hey, but from Wisconsin. I Wisconsin. Think. Yeah. Yeah. And he, this gentleman was had to have been somewhere past the age of sixty. Uh, has big white beard down to here, and uh, the, we, there were two other guys there, and they come out. They come out of the cabin lodge thing. And both of them are carrying two turkey fans apiece. And like me and Jordan are in the parking lot doing like and we're like, like free gaming. And, and like one guy's like doing like this with the fans, and the other guy would go up to him and be like, no, 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 the form's like this. And me and Jordan are looking at him like, what is going on? Like, what are they doing with the turkey fans? Like, are they practicing for an interpretive dance? Like, what's happening? And the, the old guy comes out and he's like, those guys ain't doing it right. And we're like, Huh? Doing what right? Like, we don't even know what they're doing. Like, why are they dancing with these like, turkey fans? There's one difference maker here that they don't have. Yeah. He's like, they can take all the turkey fans they want to. Ain't going to make a difference if they don't have that red hockey puck. 
And we're like, huh? And a hockey puck. And so, it, being from the southeast, which I assume most one down here is, I'd never. Have you ever heard of a red? Have you ever heard of a bait puck? Uh-uh. A bait puck, like uh-uh. hockey puck. Uh-uh. This they some sort. They would sell like it, it was. It looked literally like it was the size of a hockey puck, but you could pop a lid on it, and there was like fish bait in there. They call it a bait puck, and it would be red. Like, like I'm talking. I can't cat food. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And this fellow was telling us that you could show a fan to any turkey in the world, and he ain't gonna come unless you have a red bait puck and you hold it up there behind that fan so it looks like that turkey's head. And so, and we're like, and we had never like had never even seen anybody try to fan a turkey, hadn't heard of this methodology, and we're like, we're watching these two dudes dance around in the parking lot with their two turkey fans in each hand, and this fellow with the white beard's telling us you got to have a red bait puck, and we're like, and me and Jordan are like, where are we? This is probably not the best place for us to have ended up, but we followed that guy around for three days. Walking down every road, approaching every field, and he'd reach into his vest, he'd grab his red bait puck and his fan, and he'd <laughs> flop it out, and he'd point, point it around different places. And the other guy would have two walking like this through all the roads, and we're just yeah. like, where are we at right now? The guy would walk into, I'm talking like, as any turkey hunter does, if you're approaching a field that you think a turkey might be in, you ease up to it you keep a tree between it you kind of try to stay in the shade you sometimes crawl you buy nose check what's out there i mean this dude just walks out there wide open into the field <laughs> whips his fans out don't see anything he, he double fisting fans <laughs> needless to say we did not kill anything and we never uh we didn't return to that place um but that was the um so the first, when people started saying that fanning was this deathly technique that should be frowned upon, me and Jordan were like, how can that be true? We've seen it happen. We followed a fellow around for five days in Kentucky and did not see it do anything. Yeah. But spooks on. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, that's a story that's always been the memory banks. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's next? What we now we're going to, because everyone's eager and we, we're, we're not running late, but we're close to especially all this stuff we want to give away so um let me get where i can hear we'll open the floor up to any sort of q a if y'all have any y'all can again if y'all have questions about turkeys for tomorrow we can have pete back up here i i don't whatever in the world you want to ask questions about if you have any if you don't that's fine too but speak now forever hold your peace questions anyone all right A story south of 70. A couple. Yeah, I think I, the first time I hunted down there uh, was 2013, I think. and been going ever since. Uh, we'll leave going down there next Tuesday, too. No, never hunted the reservation. I've heard tales of it, though. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Y'all got any stories involved? I've heard stories about the reservations down there. Most of them have been good, but I, I've never hunted one. There's uh, quite a few, uh, like, outfitters and stuff that actually buy, like, I don't know how all that works, but they, they run hunts on reservation, or I think you can do it yourself. I'm not sure how all that works. The thing that's getting absolutely crazy about South Florida is the the more popular turkey hunting gets, the more people are becoming very aware that South Florida is the earliest place that opens. And the thought of being able to start turkey hunting on March the, the 6th, uh, 
sounds awesome. I mean, I can attest. I mean, I think it sounds great. But I will say, if you are, I mean, if you're going to go the outfitter route or, or any sort of that, they are getting expensive. And like, I know a, guy, a buddy of mine tried to book a hunt in South Florida, and they were booking like two years in advance because they're getting so hard to get down there, which is kind of sad, but just kind of the way it is right now. There was another guy back there who had a question. Yeah, man. Yeah, hang on, man. Hang on, man. Come can't, up this way. Yeah, come up here if you can't hear. I can't quite hear you. I'm sorry. That's right. good. That's, that's a good end, question. I appreciate that. You yeah. th you, I'm serious. You put some thought into that one. So on that second question about the age, the survey we did last year, we looked at the demographics from different age groups. And one of the big things that y'all's age group said they thought was part of the reason for decline in turkeys, which was surprising with social media because a lot of people glorify just killing turkeys on social media and some people they look at that and they're like oh man i've got to kill a turkey i got to get that like somebody's got to hit that button you know I, I need to be able to say you know this is how many i had on any of your socials so that's that's one thing that the age group your age group that you're talking about saw as an issue where if you look at the older generation you know the guys that are 55 60 and up hope i don't offend anybody by the way uh, a lot of those guys, they don't really pay that much attention to social media. So how do you bridge that gap between those two? I guess you got to talk to Pawpaw some if he ain't got Instagram, right? So, but that's... Yeah, I think you were kind of directing the first side of that, like the older, our previous generation to us had a certain way they hunt and they think that's their way, or is that what you're talking about? Man. So I th I think I know I think I know where you're getting at, and if I'm not, be like that's not even close to what I was what I was talking about. Is I know some guys that are I, I cross paths with some guys. You hear them talk, um, and they've been turkey hunting much longer than me. Um, and I'm 31 years old, and they're significantly older than I am. And again, I'm going to preface this with this again. I'm not biologist. I, none of us are biologists. You at least have survey data. Everything I'm throwing yes. out right here is just an opinion. Um, again, we we talk about everyone hears about here in the, the southeast at least the glory days of turkey hunting being in the 80s and 90s, and you hear stories upon stories upon stories of folks that were taking honestly just a grotesque amount of turkeys, like I mean individuals taking just so many turkeys from a single area double, I'm not talking double digit at the, at double the digits at the time they weren't seeing any harm in that no, there right. so many turkeys I, I mean and and i'm gonna if, if any of y'all are familiar um with the, the the bear grease podcast that clay newcomb does he did a an episode series on uh two gentlemen from the state of arkansas that were um like bona fide turkey poachers and it's a very interesting listen but it's like the, the the mindset to me from like kind of that generation, it was just much more on the take side that you see because like Jordan said, they weren't seeing the declines that we are now that you run, you cross paths with folks that still see that that's the way that they should operate. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Okay. And, and there are people we've talked to that, like you said, I grew up in the 90s, so I saw 
that 90s, mm-hmm. like the peak, what you talk about. I remember right. turkeys gobbling everywhere. But there are people we've also talked to in some of these surveys that remember when there weren't turkeys. And those guys are some of the ones that they may not even kill a turkey on their property if they've just got two or three gobbling because yeah. they're so afraid they're going to go back to where they were before the heyday and they're just not going to shoot that turkey. And that I understand what you're saying. You're trying to get that guy to, to talk to this guy and we meet in the middle somewhere and say, okay, it's, a, it's fine to, to take a bird off your place, but do you need to kill all the birds on your place just, just for the sake of just killing the turkeys? Is that what you're trying to get at? Okay. And my opinion on that, the more information that me or whoever can get in front of one of those guys that has that mindset, over a period of time, he may start to realize, like, okay, this is making sense. The data data showing, you know, it may just take time with that. I don't think anybody's going to change their opinion overnight unless they're just absolutely ready to change. Well, another thing, you can't just throw opinions. Once you start throwing the facts, which if you get to digging, like you said, there's plenty of facts to back all of it. You can't argue facts. Yeah. The, the, the silver lining, I think, to give you one about, about your question is I would say do we have that bridge gapped right now? No, I don't think we do. But I think we're making incredible progress. Because, again, I mean, like, look at, again, Chamberlain said he's been saying this since 2012. And now – He's, there's more, more turkey research going on than he's seen in the past 30 years. And so you see groups of people like this come into one room because we all love turkey hunting. You see organizations like Turkeys for Tomorrow. And so I, I, don't, I just believe you can't have that much of a swell in interest without there being an ongoing process of that bridge being gapped, if that makes any sense. And if you look at the 85% of people that said we have saw a decline, that's that's going to be a little bit of everyone when you think about that. So some people in that age group that he's talking about that may be older, older guys that have been turkey hunting for a long time, they're starting to see that back to what it what it was when they were first starting to turkey hunt before the heyday. And maybe that kind of piques their interest and, hey, well, let me talk to this younger guy that I know and just kind of see what he's talking about here. And is that a real issue? And hey, maybe I need to listen to him. And that education part is huge. You know, when you start making people aware and educating them, and like Jordan said, it just takes a little – it takes time. Everything – nothing happens overnight, for sure. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Questions? I got one. Uh, I know you said you all have some chapters in seven states. Yeah. Um, so, if you want to start a chapter in your area, I will give you all my email. Uh, my All my information is on the Turkeys for Tomorrow website. You can call me, text me, email me, DM me on social, whatever. Um, And I've got some documents that I will email you, and it's an outline for what it takes to get a chapter started. And that's pretty, since we've got all these chapters going, it's pretty pretty reliable from what we've looked at, what has to happen. Uh, I've got chapters right now in Iowa, Oklahoma, three in Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, Florida, Louisiana, working on one. I'm working on one in Arkansas and Ohio. So, and then today I got some calls. I, I get calls every day about it. Um, I had a guy from Idaho actually call me today, which is, you know, that's quite a that's ways crazy. out there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, so if, and I'll be happy to give every, anyone that wants my number and email after we're done with this. Uh, volunteer wise, right now in Mississippi, I can. I can get with Adam and we can talk to them. I don't know if they need any help like that. But in Alabama, we're doing a fertility 
disease study with gobblers. So Dr. Goolsby, we've got people throughout the state where if you harvest a gobbler, you can take the, the breast, the spurs, the beard, the fan, and then you donate the carcass. And Dr. Goolsby's grad students at Auburn, they do a dissection. And we actually went down last year, they take the liver, the spleen, the testicles, they take bone samples, blood samples, and they do all that testing for various diseases, fertility, pesticides, herbicides. So that's a, that's a method of volunteering, yes. Uh, but we don't have that going on in Mississippi yet. Is there a possibility we could in the future? Maybe so. Um, but that's, that's one way to volunteer. When we start having these habitat days in areas, yes, we're gonna need volunteers. And it may be something simple as like coming here tonight and helping get tables and chairs set up. Um, but, but yeah, you can go online. There's info at turkeysfortomorrow.org. You can send an email if you got any question. And I promise you, somebody from TFT will call you back or email you back. We will not just leave you out there hanging. One thing that we, we have folks message us, I'm sure Austin does too all the time, and they're like, I don't own land, you know, like they're in a situation where they feel like there's not really much they can do to habitat work or whatever. And the, the answer is, is get involved with a conservation organization. Exactly. So what I, if you want to help the wild turkey in a, in a very practical way, in a way that will make an impact, get involved with turkeys for tomorrow. Yeah. And, like, and any, period. any conservation organization, I mean, mm -hmm. we're, we're all looking to help wildlife help For sure. turkeys and i mean it's us anyone else it doesn't matter because if the money's going to research to figure out the problem then hey we're all for it for sure anybody else questions i'll leave that one to chase how much time you got <laughs> hey hit me again what was that michael who wants to take that one? His question was, his question was any like tips we can give to approach public land turkey hunting? Just get turkey chase, hunting chase or turkey hunters? <laughs> Just get hmm? Chase to take you and drop you some pins. Man, I don't know nothing about no public land birds. <laughs> I, uh, y'all hunted a lot more public land than me. I think now the advantage you got is like an onyx yeah. when you're going into public land is do some is do some do some e-scout before you ever you know and, and narrow your area down that you want to put boots on the ground because there's only so much time in a day mm -hmm. you can't cover every piece of that land with boots on the ground I so kind of narrow it down far as yeah far as public land goes i mean it's it's really like you take the pressure out of the equation it's no different than private. The turkeys are going to hang out in the same areas, the same you know, the same terrain features, edge locations, creek bottoms. All that plays. I mean, doesn't to me it doesn't matter if it's public or private. They're going to use the same habitat. So you find the right kind of habitat a turkey likes. Well, as long as hadn't been run out of there, got a chance to find turkeys. The best tip I can give. Um, like the the first the first spring that I was a student up here, um, and I had grown up hunting on national forest, and I didn't think hunting around here would be any different. Uh, I found out I was wrong. <laughs> but and to be quite honest, like I got my teeth kicked in the first spring I was here. The 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 best success that I found was just being willing to be out there when nobody else was, and I don't necessarily mean being the first one there obviously i mean that's the one thing everybody thinks of 
I'm talking about like the odd hours in the day when everyone's like, well, they're not gobbling anymore. And most of the time, they're not, you know, they're not gobbling as much as they are when they're on the limb or right when they fly down. But if they do gobble, you got a pretty good chance. So, I, I mean, just being out there when other people aren't, finding, find a way to be out there when everyone else isn't, and you'll better your chances of success for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, we get that question a lot. It's like, man, I, just won't, I won't go hunting. You know, y'all seem like you kill a lot of turkeys. And I'm like, brother, you don't know how much hours <laughs> I spend in the woods. My batting average is lower than average. Yeah. But, but the time spent in the woods developing, it is a skill, developing that skill is going to better you in the long run. So just more times you get up the bat, the better chances you are hitting something. Because, like, that first spring up here that got my teeth kicked in, at the time, I was miserable. I was like, this is the worst. I, I can't kill a turkey. I don't know what's going on. Looking back at it now, I value that spring heavily because I learned a lot. Like, I learned so much from getting kicked around by those public land turkeys that spring. You learn more from getting beat than when you win. And I got beat. Absolutely. A whole lot I got, yeah. But, yeah. Um, on th- like, you want to keep, keep going? Only thing I can add is just, yeah, boots on the ground. Um, well, I had something, but it's it's left me now. Bye-bye. I got, I got all messed up there. It <laughs> Good happens. tip. Um, I'll think of it a minute, and I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I thought about it, and I lost it. Any, Nothing new. Anybody else? Um... <laughs> What de- what department like what's your major? What's okay. that? Wildlife fisheries and aquaculture. This is a true story. The first time, I, well, I was I was turkey hunting around here, and I was with my first cousin who I still turkey hunt with some to this day. And when we got out there, it was like we have to be not walking out of the woods. We have to be in the truck driving back towards campus no later than i think it was like noon and the turkey gobbled and it was like 11:43, and we were like huh so needless to say what we got the turkey and i go we're supposed to have a lab that day and it was a difficult class and i go hauling through there and i still got on my camo pants and i got on my rubber boots and i go walking through there and the lab was over and the professor this is true story i promise not embellishing embellishing that he looked at me and he said i let class out about five minutes ago i was like oh and he said see what you've been doing yes sir did you get one yes sir on your way <laughs> true story now if you didn't get one i don't know how well they would take that but he let it go that day so when i was in uh electrical trade school i mean it's somewhat real school i don't know if it's uh <laughs> same thing as being up here but uh i traded a pair of back straps for a week off to go to illinois one time if that helps you can always barter <laughs> I've always had good luck just being honest. Just telling them, hey, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. That's what I did. Well, this is this, this would work, which I don't work there anymore. But um, I just would tell them like it was, you know, hey, turkeys are gobbling. I'm I'm sorry, but uh, I ain't going to be here in the morning. Mm-hmm. If I, when I see that pressure going to be rising up a little bit, and it's going to be bluebird day. I, I set my schedule to start class later, but if I was going to be late, I found a walk-in clinic. <laughs> when got tested for the flu, just so yeah. I'd have that that's sheet of paper. That's a good to move. That's actually to work a, the next day. That's actually strategic there. Yeah. 
If I knew I was going to be late, they had a walk-in clinic up here. I'd just go in there and you need another one. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And Carlson, you know my name because yeah. your mama copay probably. That's right. $25. <laughs> That's yeah. worth it. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. He's the one I traded the back straps with. He still tell that story? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anybody else? Going what? Yeah, man. Probably, but carry on. We'll let y'all handle that one first. Yeah, yeah. he said all three of us, Austin. Oh, man. I, I, know. I said I'll let y'all handle it first. Yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. So this is my opinion. That particular gentleman you're talking about, you know, first that kind of humor started spiraling, you know, started, I guess, coming up and about. I laughed at it. Uh, I think he carried it. Continue, like continually carries it too far. Um, I think, especially in like, again, we've spent the majority of the time we were up here, we were talking about appreciation of the wild turkey and conservation in the state that we're in now. I just don't think, I don't think that kind of attitude, especially as far as he goes, I just, I don't like it. I don't think it's good for anybody. Um, and, you know, personal feelings about him aside, I just don't think it's good. I look at that, I'm like, who does that help? I mean, I mean, humor's fine. Like, I mean, but that particularly, no, I don't. I, I don't think it's good. Well, there's a difference in humor and disrespect too. Right. There's a big difference, yeah. and and not only what he's doing and, and drawing the attention, it's the. I, I don't know what other people that are following along and 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 I guess enjoying what he's doing. It, it's spreading negativity through the turkey world, mm -hmm. big time, and it. I don't know. I can't. I'm not going to get yeah. too much into it. No. But, yeah, you're fine. Jordan, anything? Um, my biggest, I guess, concern with it is, you know, turkey hunting's are tradition that we want to be passed on, and you want to paint it in a positive light. And my biggest concern with it is, are we painting it in a positive light? Is it something we are attracting more sportsmen to want to do by that attitude, by that humor? I mean, what is it? portraying us as sportsmen conservationists as being that's my concern i'm 100 percent on board with them anything like that that promotes illegal activity or you know the abuse of the resource we're we're not behind that at all that's that's not what we're about that's that's one of the problems that you have and that's we'll never stand for anything like that anybody else <laughs> i'm a pete I'm, Anybody, with, I'm with Pete. <laughs> I'm with that. Anybody else? Okay. That is a good question. They so repeat so it he said, I guess a question that everybody asked themselves, if there was nobody to show a turkey to, if there was nothing to take a picture with, if it was just you in the woods and a goblin turkey, would you still be out there hunting him? Absolutely. I, I've thought, I mean, I haven't, I mean, I wouldn't say I've asked myself that same question verbatim, but I've thought those thoughts before. And it's like, man, I go back to when I was started trying, I say trying because I went, you know, when I started trying to turkey hunt and had an interest in it, I was like 10 or 11 and, you know, but there wasn't any Instagram then, you know, and it's, 
I could say personally, I mean, 100%, yeah. I mean, social media is great. People give, people do give it a lot of flack, but it's like, can social media have a negative effect? Sure. Mm -hmm. But it can also have a positive one. I mean, mm -hmm. think of, I mean, put social media in the hands of people like Turkeys for Tomorrow gives them a more of a platform. But I'm, I'm rambling here, but, but yeah, I, I think that is a good question to ask, to ask yourself. But for me, and I can't speak for these guys, they can all take their turn, but yeah, I, I 100% would still be on turkeys. Absolutely. I uh, actually had a conversation with somebody here last year after the sh after the show and everything. And um, is that better? Okay. Anyways, um, they were asking me to explain what Spring Legion was and everything, and, and that was kind of a direction I took it. It was like, you know, that was the big concern conversation before that was if we were going to have another, you know, somebody mentioned that we weren't going to have a turkey season at some point within the next five years. I don't know. But I, my conversation with them was, you know, us and y'all, I'm sure also, um, are a group of people, like-minded individuals that if that day comes that we cannot tow to gun turkey hunting, we'll still be out there every morning, you know, that we're, that we're free, sitting in the woods, just enjoying them, you know, while we can. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was my take on that. So, yes. Good question. Very good question. All right. I, I do like showing picture, people a picture and telling a story, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody think disagree do. with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. also, I, I, my mind get to, got to wondering, like, one, it's oh, one man. of the top, like, one of the first two or three turkeys I had killed. I was about 16 or 17 years old. And it was one of those hunts you always hear the stories about. It took me like six hours to kill him and crawled under from oak tree to oak tree while he was strutting around, turned backwards and tending to his hens. And I remember when I shot that turkey and got him, I was so excited. And I was by myself. It was the first turkey that I'd ever shot by myself. And I just sat there and kind of looked at his feathers and was just so excited. But at the same time, I couldn't wait to get that thing on my forwarder and get him back to the house and show my dad and my mom what I had done, too. So yeah. I think, uh, you know, turkey hunting, even though it's social media now, there's always been that tradition of telling the story, sharing it with other people, and just showing it to other people and all that other things that come along with turkey hunting because it is so much more than just shooting a turkey. Mm -hmm. It's the stories that come with it. For sure. And the friends you make along the way. Yep. You got one more? What is about Lacey and the gun? What's wrong with the gun, Lake? What was your gun messed up for? We should go move to giving stuff away. <laughs> <laughs> I plead the fifth on that one. Um, the there's a primary goal this upcoming spring to get Lacey a turkey because I have to I have to get that fixed. Yeah. Um, we're gonna move to giving some stuff out. Look before. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a gun. Anyhow, before on a serious note, um, we're gonna start giving some stuff out before people start pouring out of here. I can I can speak for everybody up here on this note. Yet we cannot say how much we appreciate all of y'all showing up for this. If you want to get involved with Turkeys for Tomorrow, talk to Pete. Go to their website. They are super easy to get a hold of. After we get the stuff the stuff out, we'll be hanging out here for a while. If y'all have any more questions or anything like that, thank y'all. This has been awesome. Thank Thanks for coming out. Woo!
Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Spring Legion Podcast. If you enjoy the show, let us know by leaving a good review or simply sharing an episode with your friends and family. We'd like to thank Rolling Thunder Game Calls and Light Boots for making this podcast possible. Rolling Thunder's hand-tuned waterfowl and turkey calls are crafted right here in the U.S. by folks who enjoy the outdoors as much as any. Check them out at RollingThunderGameCalls.com or catch an episode of the Rolling Thunder film series on the Masio Go app. Light Boots' seamless one-piece design completely eliminates the chance of leaking, with a size 10 boot only weighing 13 ounces. Learn more about the lightest 16-inch waterproof boot on the market at lightboots.com. Most of all, we want to thank you, our listeners, for making the show worthwhile. If you'd like to learn more about the brand, check us out at springlegion.com or follow at springlegion on any social network. Thanks again for listening to the Spring Legion Podcast. We'll see you next week.